Hello, hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I am going to be talking to you about deeply held connections. And on Sunday, I went and saw Maggie Dent and Vanessa LaPont talk, and they presented two different presentations, and it was fabulous. They really reiterated what I was saying on last week's Big Heart to Heart, that connection is the first and foremost thing we need to get right when working with young children. Uh, In order to be able to do that, though, we have to have a solid and grounded connection to ourselves first. So this cannot be underestimated when it comes to working with young children. We all know that the formative years are absolutely the most important. The first 500 days are vital when it comes to working with children. So it's really, really crucial that we understand the fundamentals of this because connection uh, has the ability to set a person up for life for the way they think about themselves, for the way they think about other people, for how they process their own emotions and how they express their feelings. So we have an absolute responsibility to get it right and to have an understanding. We obviously don't have to be Sigmund Freud when it comes to understanding human humanness and how it works but we absolutely must take responsibility for how we speak to the children and how we teach the children and how we teach the children to think about themselves so that is what I'm going to cover in today's podcast and I hope that you enjoy it hello hello and welcome to the big hearted podcast my name is Victoria Edmund and I am your host Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centred educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here on the Big Hearted Podcast. Okay, we are going to dive directly into the importance of having deeply connected relationships in your family daycare. Now, for me, this is completely and utterly game changing. It is essential that we create these environments that are absolutely fundamentally safe for children. I truly believe that in order for us to help children feel safe, we have to have a deep connection to ourselves first. And in order for us to be able to do that, we have to have some level of self-awareness around how it is that we're speaking. We have all come across those people in our lives where you can hear that negative self-talk. They may look at the 
the the negative side of life. They may default immediately to worst case scenario. And this isn't judgment on people. And I really want to make that abundantly clear that can come, come from a trauma response. It can come as a way to protect oneself. And that is a normal response to traumatic situations. It can also be a learnt behavior pattern. And when we work with children, children have this ability to press our buttons and really what they're asking for and the gift that they're giving us if we are open to receiving it is for towards greater self-awareness. So we have a responsibility when we are working with young children in early childhood education to be aware of our own patterns of behavior because there will be children that we meet um, that instantly rub us the wrong way. It's because it's human to human interaction. You know, uh, animals do it in the animal world. Um, you'll meet Dogs will meet each other and there'll be an instant attraction or an instant reaction. Um, they just know instantly, don't like you, blah, and they usually have a fight. Thank God people have evolved from, from that. <laughs> and, and we don't have fights, but we have a responsibility to know our limits and to go, do you know what? And sometimes it's not the children. Sometimes it's the parent that we have an instant, you just rub me the wrong way. You press all my buttons. Uh, you may not have capacity at this point in your life to work through that. So you have a responsibility to A, yourself, B, your own personal family, C, the families and the children that you work with, to be able to understand and be okay with saying, do you know what? This isn't going to work for me. I, I just don't think I'm going to be able to meet your needs. I don't think I'm going to be able to fulfill uh, what I need to fulfill for your family. Um, I had a family, uh, an educator contact me just this week, actually, and say, met this family. They were lovely. In subsequent messages, she started to say uh, things around... Um, same-sex marriages is sinful, um, you know, what happens at nappy changing, who's around, like the valid questions, who's around, blah, blah, blah. But then the further conversation from there began to start raising red flags for this educator um, about some um, non-inclusivity or non-inclusive uh, feelings and belief systems. So that educator sought um, clarification around that. Um, we talked about it and decided that that family might be better off going to a different sort of setting uh, as that educator wanted to be inclusive to all families, how they presented um, and thought that that particular viewpoint could potentially Put, some, put her in some difficult situations and she didn't have capacity to work with that. So she also didn't want that family to feel like they could come in and have certain opinions within her space that could be upsetting for other families that were already in her established group. So that educator decided to say, do you know what? I don't think I'm the setting for you. I can't hold that thought process 
and belief system along with you. It doesn't align with what I feel and what I think. And that is okay (laughs) because we don't ever want to put ourselves into a position where we compromise our own belief. We compromise and it's compromise. There's a difference between being able to uh, work with and have, um, you know, boundaries and have, what's the word I'm looking for? Having uh, where you can compromise right? You can, you can come up with compromise. You can be flexible. You can kind of go, okay, well, I'll, I'll let you think that Santa's not real for, for an example, like Santa's not real. Terrible idea, Victoria, but like, I'll, I'll, like, it's okay. I can work with you telling your child that Santa isn't a thing. I do have other families here. How can we work around that? How can we facilitate that? How does that look for your family? There could be, you know, religious aspect to that. We can, we can work with that. However, someone saying that they don't um, agree with same-sex marriage, that doesn't, for me personally, doesn't work for me. My own uncle um, was gay and had a beautiful partner, Rodney. Uh, that wouldn't work in my setting because I feel like all, um, walks of life are welcome there are boundaries that i have though uh, and and there are boundaries that i am not prepared to cross and i need to be okay with that in myself in order to be able to uh, share that with families and know where i can be flexible and where i can have compromise and where i can't that comes from deeply knowing who i am and having a willingness to stand up for the things that are truthful and meaningful to me in a loving capacity though in a way that just says very gently and kindly and calmly I actually don't think I'm going to be able to facilitate that belief and I don't think I'm the setting that is going to work best for you rather than setting us up for having difficult conversations down the track and for you feeling like I'm excluding you, I want to be upfront and honest with you and tell you that I don't align with that thought process right now. So I think it might be best for you to go to another setting. And that family was appreciative of the educator being able to be honest and truthful. So then they were able to then set their energy into finding a place that would be suitable for them rather than starting somewhere and investing somewhere and then having to move on down the track anyway. That's detrimental to the children. So not all of us are going to believe the same thing and that is okay. It is okay. But it's really vital for educators to have a very clear understanding of what they can do and what they can't do, what they can facilitate, what they can't facilitate, how far they can compromise, where is that line drawn. We all have lines, we all should have boundaries and that is part of being human but it is it requires a bit of self-awareness on an educator's point of view. It requires an educator having done some research or you know being down a pathway themselves and being okay with that and It's never okay to be unkind or uncaring, but it is okay to have boundaries. And I just want to make that really abundantly clear at the beginning of this podcast because it sets the framework for us. When we know who we are as people, when we have an understanding of the types of 
play that we want to um, invest in. So some educators are like, I want to be with a service that's going to allow me risky play. For me, going to the beach is a non-negotiable. So are you going to allow me to go to the beach if I join your service? Uh, some services will be a hard no. They will be like, we don't do any excursions, point blank. You know, so this is about connection. Can you connect? Are you, if you join with that service, same with families, if they come to your service and you are this um, forest kindy type thing, you go and go into the wild every day and this family wants to send their little girl in a white satin frock with sparkly shoes, is that a really good idea to allow that family to come in or do you need to have a conversation around that first and foremost and really set boundaries and really be aware of what you can facilitate and what you can't taking on a family and then hamstringing yourself because their needs overtake yours is never going to never going to work it's never going to be something that you can um that's going to lead to a happy ending right if if you have a conversation and the family says oh we're a bit apprehensive but we'll give it a go we'll see how it works you know that's a different story okay so but first and foremost you have to be okay with what you're doing you have to be fully deeply committed to your work and your connections to yourself so that's first and foremost what we need to be aware of. Second of all, when you can be that person and you can be confident and, and very stable in who you are, then you're able to show up for the children. You're able to provide this stability that children deeply, deeply need when they're beginning in their care journey or the entire way through their journey. But 100% from the very beginning, they need to be able to connect with you and know that you're a safe and stable person. So I kind of look at deep connections as like a tree. Uh, and you know, when you're out in the country and you see the, the cow paddocks and quite often in a cow paddock, there'll be this massive tree that's got a big canopy, a big arching canopy, it kind of looks like an umbrella. And then it's all flat underneath where the cows walk underneath it. It's perfectly level. It's amazing. And then there's this big trunk and coming out from that big trunk are these massive root systems that, that spread out. They're like a fig tree, I think. Um, and, and I kind of look at a family daycare educator as that. That's the picture in my mind. I think you all look old and barky with craggy hair. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know that's not what I think like I it's just the image that conjures in my mind um and or it's the image that I see it yeah funny talking about images in mind so, oh Victoria don't even go down that pathway you'll end up on a rabbit hole that we're not prepared to go into just yet so some people see things in their mind's eye some people just like see it some people can't see that so that's why I ex described 
the image that I have when I think of a family daycare educator. So what that means is that you have this overarching protectiveness that comes over your group. You provide shade, you provide shelter from the weather, you provide places for children to explore in amongst your branches, you provide all the resources that they may need. This is what the, the canopy of the tree does. And then there's you, who is the trunk of the tree, and your roots, your steadfastness, your consistency, your constancy. Is that a word? You know what I'm trying to say? I'm just making stuff up here. <laughs> your, your roots spread far and wide, right? So eventually when, when the children start with you, the image that I have is that they start in the branches. They're clinging to the trunk of the tree. They're in the branches. They can be hidden if they want to. They can pop out and investigate. They can come down lower on the trunk of the tree. Eventually, they come down to sit amongst the roots. Um, you know, for a while, they might sit on the trunk and just observe clearly from there and be seen by the other children in the group and the other families that come and go. And then eventually, they come down into the root system and they play amongst the roots and they let go of the trunk. They let go of you and they start exploring. They can still easily reach you and touch you if they need to. And eventually they go out into the field. Eventually they go away from you and they explore, but they come back. And it's really important for them to know where you are, to know that you're not going to leave that environment, to know that you're this steady person who provides consistency, constancy that keeps wanting to come out to provide consistency for them, that you are this level person. Your emotions aren't like one minute you're elevated and then the next minute you're really quiet. And one minute you're, you're, you're right in amongst all their stuff and you're in the game and then the next minute you disappeared and you're not, right? Children need to have this constancy. They need to have consistency. <laughs> I should have looked up that word. Anyway, um, I'm sure there's someone yelling at me. That's not a word, Victoria. <laughs> Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, but children need to know that you're going to be there. And when you can provide, and this comes back to what we were talking about last week, when we're talking about ebb and flow, is when children know what's happening next, it takes away that stress, that fear, that anxiety, right? So when you've got children that are just starting with you or children that might be a bit highly strung or families that are a bit highly strung, this is always a really good opportunity for you to be a point, a pivotal point in their life, a point of access where they, they come in. I, I had a parent that was in my group and um, look, hats off to her. She had two children, uh, one 10 month old, and, and a bigger boy who would come to my care and well he was actually in another service so she had to drop off first thing at seven o'clock then drop her bigger boy because I didn't have space for him drop her bigger boy at the center he was already going to and then eventually when he went to school and her little one was I think maybe three she had the two of them at my doorstep because he came to me for before school care she had the two of them on my doorstep ready to go by 7 a.m every morning I don't know how she did it winter summer spring autumn the whole lot every day seven o'clock on the dot 
she was on my doorstep and she would come in and like and offload all of this you know she was in go mode because she had to be because she had two children to get ready and get down to work by eight o'clock in the morning um so she was go 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 whereas the vibe in my home at that time i would always be having a cup of tea before they arrived i had the incense on I had the beautiful music playing, a bit of Diva Primal or, or some Sacred Earth playing. I was setting a vibe in my space in the morning. That's how I like to roll. So she would come in and my kids would be going, here comes the hurricane. And that's what it felt like because she'd leave and I would be like, wow, <laughs> what, what just happened? And hope that part of my Zen would go with her once she got in the car Maybe she relaxed and just was good to go and have a beautiful day, start to her day. But before she would arrive, I would consciously set that zone in my environment because that's how I wanted my day to start and how I wanted my day to continue. So those children would come in and we'd always have a couple of minutes where we'd shake it all off and then they'd settle into a really relaxing morning and they just knew. So it meant that their ch those children could come into my space and because we did the same thing in the same order, not at the same time, but in the same order every day, it made it easier for them to drop into being in my care and being in my presence. So having that ebb and that flow to your day can really help when children are having difficulties in settling in and it can it exponentially helped that connection, creating that connection, because when the other children are in that rhythm, they're in that ebb and flow, they can hold that space, giving you more time to devote to the child you're trying to settle in. So that ebb and flow is really important to helping create that connection. And I think it's connection first, ebb and flow second. But when you've got children that are already holding that rhythm and holding that ebb and flow, it means that you've got more to put towards that connection for that new child settling in. So it's really important that we have these um, deeply connected relationships first and foremost in family daycare. It is what sets us apart. We are the only educator with those children for the whole day. And that is, to me, the positive benefit of family daycare that just sets it in a whole different realm to any other style of care is that we have that ability to create these consistent relationships for the children. Um, it helps to build trust for the children too. So that is primarily what we're doing when we're creating these beautiful relationships. Children need to trust that you're not going to flip out. Children need to trust that you are going to be able to share your calm when they're not feeling calm. Never, and Vanessa LaPont had this as a quote on her, um, on the screen on Sunday when she was talking, um, never in the history of any time in the world, uh, and I'm going to try and find it because it was uh, absolutely perfect um where is it never in the history of any time in the world has where is that quote <laughs> because never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down never and, you know the minute someone like you know even take a breath like <gasps> when you're in the middle of your shit when you're in the middle of something big emotions coming up 
The only way through is to experience it to its full extent, right? You can't stop it mid-flight. What you can do, though, is you can be the voice that's soothing. You know, what would it feel like if when you were a child, take yourself back there right now, take yourself back to being a child when you were feeling overwhelmed with emotion, like overwhelmed. How does it feel when someone is there to saying, you're okay, you'll be right, it's all right, get over it. Come on, we've got to go and do blah, 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 blah. Like, bah, don't, don't feel what you're feeling, basically, invalidating what you're experiencing. Feel that. How does that feel in your body? Do you feel seen? Do you feel heard? Do you feel okay? Or do you feel shamed? Do you feel like what you're experiencing and expressing isn't okay? Do you have to suck it up and pretend that it doesn't happen? Where does that go in your body? Like those feelings don't dissipate when we do that. They get walled off. They get sectioned out. They get pushed down and they fester. Now let's come away from that for a moment. Let's go back to that feeling of being overwhelmed, being completely overwhelmed by emotion, big feelings. Now imagine a grandmotherly figure. Could be young, could be a grandma, like what I'm going to be when I'm a grandma. I'm not grandma, I'll be a grandma. <laughs> who's warm, who's soft, who's cuddly, who takes you on your la on their lap and says it's okay oh you're so sad right now or you're frustrated or or you you're having some really big feelings it's okay let it out you cry all the tears you need to cry right now it's okay and how does that feel in your body do you melt into that do you then move through that process a lot quicker do you feel safe to feel those feelings do those feelings come to resolution have they left your body now and and yes you might feel a bit raw still but you're in the arms of someone who's safe who's kind who's showering you with love like how different are those experiences and yes sometimes in the moment we cannot do that because guess what? You're having a human experience. <laughs> You're human and you've got three other children and everybody might be having a meltdown. And what do you do in that moment? You just sit on the floor. You just become that tree trunk. You let them come to you and you put your arms around all of them. And what you do is you breathe in that moment. You breathe in that moment. You might hum. It might be really overwhelming for you too. You might be an educator that gets overwhelmed with all the noise. It happens. You're a human. There's so many neurodiverse people out there now and it can be overwhelming for you, right? Sometimes that's all you can do is just sit on the ground until the moment passes and it will pass. But this is the work of deeply held connections, right? And it's so important that we are able to share our calm. And it might be that after that, when everybody has moved through that, you need to go to the toilet. You need to wash your face with cold water. You might need to get the jar of lavender out and 
pour it all over you or whatever it is, whatever your strategy is for calming your nervous system and regulating yourself after a big moment like that. But what is important is that we are the adult in this situation and we hold that space for those children. We don't want to shame children. Those first formative years, we, as I said in the introduction, we, the way we talk to the children, the things that we say to the children, will either build them up or tear them down. We have that power. Now, I would love to see some research, and it's beyond me to do it, but I would love to see some research on the families that we have that have this disconnection to parenting, the families that can't say no to their children, don't want to set boundaries, don't want to show up for their children and do that hard work, what was their childhood like? Were they the first lot of kids that came through full-time long daycare? Were they the first lot of children that experienced disconnection, like en masse, to primary caregivers that were there for them all the time? Now, yep, we can go back to the 50s and say, yeah, there was a bit of, um, you know, there was, there was some undesirable family dynamics that happened in that you know women were 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 the primary caregivers and all the rest of it you know like or like if we can go back to that time was it ideal in some aspects yes because children were home with their families were there always loving relationships no not always um, coming off the back and this yeah i don't know why i started talking about this because <laughs> it's a whole rabbit hole but stick with me it's a theory that i have and i would love to see research on it how we go about doing that no idea but putting it out there because it may resonate with some people other people are going to say victoria you're so full of shit just shut up <laughs> maybe this isn't the podcast for you but when we start looking at these trauma responses, right, we've got to look at what was happening. Vietnam War, we were coming off the back of the Vietnam War. Before that, it was World War II. These men were so damaged when they came back. They, you can't go to war and come home okay. Like, it's, it's just not possible, right? In the First World War, they had weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks at sea. They decompressed at sea when they returned home they were still damaged but they had that decompression time they could weep they could cry they were with the people who had been in that experience together right there was some kind of healing that happened being on the ocean water is connected to emotion they were weeks at that right they got to unwind their nervous system there was time to regulate the nervous system a little bit the mental health care that is available to us now compared to then completely worlds apart obviously people have been studying this sort of stuff right but i think this plays a part we know generational trauma gets passed down from generation to generation we know that is it the epigenetics where you were an egg inside of your grandma right you were an egg inside so everything that your grandmother experienced you experienced your mother was an egg inside your grandmother as well you were an egg inside your mother that was an egg inside your grandma right like this just is mind-blowing but this this can't be denied it's scientifically proven that generational trauma gets passed down through those lines right so what we've got to look at is, yes, there weren't 
as we evolve, we get better. But do we always get better? Like the way we, what we know now about connection and what we know now about the power of words and what we know now about the first formative years in a child's life, we have a responsibility now, especially in the care setting that we're in, especially being in family daycare, to be this consistency for a child in their life, to show parents that it's okay to have boundaries. In fact, it's essential. Vanessa Lapont talks about them as being fair and firm and kind i relate i talk a lot about this in the essential elements it's for me it's firm but fair all right firm but fair in a care setting is essential uh, janet lansbury talks about uh, having like children being on a bridge are we on an eight lane highway where the boundaries are so broad so vast that people just end up pinging from one to the other and cause destruction along the way that's what happens when children have, have no boundaries they just do whatever they want without care for anybody else right they just fling around the world causing chaos and not caring about anybody else we society can't function like that we need to bring the boundaries in and let's go to a walking bridge instead let's have high boundaries so that the children can feel safe and secure they get to move between the boundaries freely but they never build up steam where it becomes hurtful to other people so when children have this contained space, there's safety in that. When they know where the boundaries are, when they know what's expected of them, when there's somebody giving them a gentle guiding hand, that is optimum. That is what we're looking for. So I would be really curious to see because what my experience in the last 20 years is that it seems as though parents, and I think there's a lot of factors that come into it. Social media is a massive part of it, but I want to go back further to that. I want to go back and go, well, these parents that are coming through now, did they are they one of the first family, like children to come through full-time daycare in, in the long daycare setting? I am not going to shy away from the fact that I think long daycare setting can be institutionalizing children. There's too many children in the space. There's too many educators that come and go in that space. And that's not every long daycare setting. Granted, there are going to be beautiful settings that provide that consistency for the children and they feel very safe. But we all know now, especially now in the problems that are happening with within our, our, our profession where we can't get constant staff, like there's such a shortage of staff that our current staff are burnt out. They don't have the mental bandwidth to be able to be there for the children the way they need to be, right? There's a, a ter high turnover of staff. People are coming in and they are leaving quickly. All these things play a really important factor when it comes to setting these beautiful, deeply con held connections for children. So I'd be very interested to know if the families that are coming through now were in full-time care or a lot of time care, in early childhood education as children and does that play a role in how they parent now because we know that we emulate what we experienced a lot of so if these children have had not fabulous boundary or these parents had not fabulous boundaries set for them they experienced not consistent 
people being there all the time for them. If that was their experience, what impact does that have on their parenting now? What, what are we seeing as a result of that? And I think parents have too many things to compare themselves to as well. There's unrealistic expectations when you get out into social media. And I think that plays a part too. And I'd be very, very interested to know if there was research on that or to see if there could be research on that. I think it would be a fascinating uh, road to travel down. So I, I just think we have this ability and this chance in family daycare to change that paradigm, to really approach our care differently to really really be intentional and have intentionality when we come towards the children in our care and that first thing needs to be ourselves we need to be holding ourselves constant we need to be constant we need to be consistent in our approach we need to be spreading our calm to the children in our care so when we can spread our calm and remain calm, when conflict arises within the day, we're able to be bipartisan. We're able to be consistent in our approach. We don't take sides. We don't get triggered by this stuff. What we do is we calmly approach it and we hold a space for the children to be able to negotiate and practice these negotiation skills. This is what they're learning in the early childhood realm. They're, they're practicing these things. We can't expect children to do things that are not developmentally appropriate. And that is what happens to a lot of children in care. They tend to be asked to do things that are not appropriate for them. Children learn by doing. And so when they're fighting and they're not sharing and all these sorts of things, we need to give them the skills to be able to work through that so that they can make choices and they can remember how things can be done. They can remember questions to ask. Are you finished? Can I have a turn when you're finished? And that can help resolve things. But it takes a lot of practice. And it's frustrating because when we get to those two-year-old children whose will is starting to come forth, we can battle against that. And I tell you, if you go into battle with a two-year-old... <laughs> Prepare, prepare for a battle, <laughs> especially one of those strong-willed children. Prepare yourself, choose your arguments. This is where it is where you have to be connected to yourself and be okay enough in yourself to be saying, yep, I know that you're upset. That's okay. You can be upset, but I'm not going to let you hurt so-and-so. That's okay. You can be upset about that. That's all right. It's okay to be upset. I understand it's frustrating. I understand you're not getting what you want right now. That's okay, but I am not going to let you hurt so-and-so. Come come and sit with me. Let's, let's work through this. You can cry as much as you need to right now. It's, it's okay to cry. I understand you're feeling a lot right now, but I'm not going to let you hurt so-and-so. And when you approach it in that manner... They go, oh, okay, yep, they, they have that moment. They let that frustration out. They move through it. But if you're an educator that's like, don't do that. No, I said no. And you're not actually acknowledging that underneath that is a child who's trying to 
do what they want to do, they don't understand yet that that may not be okay, right? So we've just got to provide that calm. That's okay. You can be upset. It's all right. It's all right to be upset, but I'm not going to let you hurt so-and-so. And keep it level and calm. That's what they need in that moment. So when children know that they're intrinsically safe, that it's okay to experience these big moments, that it's okay to feel the things that they're feeling, right? When they know that and they know they're accepted, their whole being is accepted, they are safe and they feel safe and their brain starts to operate more optimally. When their brain operates more optimally, they learn more. They learn. They're ready to learn. They take on new ideas and they explore and they challenge themselves and they challenge each other and they challenge you <laughs> sometimes repetitively <laughs> which can be frustrating but when we can hold that space and they intrinsically know that they are safe and that they can have moments where you know they're they're expressing big feelings and it may be less than ideal in that moment it may be like not perfect timing because you've got to get to the bus stop to pick up the big kids from school right it may be at those times but when we can sit down afterwards and go hey look you know what i didn't handle that so great and i'm and i'm sorry I, I, I did get a little bit frustrated in that moment and it wasn't the best way that I could have behaved towards you and I'm really, really sorry. Um, can, can, you know, can, can you accept my apology? Is that okay? You know, and, and children are very forgiving. But what we're doing in those moments is that we're owning that we didn't address something the best way possible. That gives them permission to do the same thing, right? I talked about last week how 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 we walk across a room how we hold ourselves the way we speak the words we use they all have an impact on the children rudolf steiner talks about being a role model a role model worthy worthy oh my goodness try that again rudolf steiner talks about being a role model worthy of imitation that's what that means down to that core level do you slump when you sit in the chair do you talk like a bogan? You know, are you are you talking like this all the time? Do you do you really care? Do you use choice words, bro, all the time? Yeah, you know, like ah, this is what I'm talking about. When I work, when I am role modeling to you, I do talk differently to how I do in my normal life. A hundred percent talk to my son, bro. Talk to my husband, bro, you know, but that's that's in a different context. When I am teaching and I teach you now instead of the little children, but when I did teach the little children, I spoke well. I never, ever, ever swore in front of the children. That's never okay. Uh, I spoke well. I chose to use rich language, as I sometimes do here. The perimenopause hits me hard <laughs> and I can't find my words half the time. But... <laughs> I'm sure there's a whole lot of you out there that are like, oh my gosh, Victoria, yes. It's very rarely that you'll hear me swear. Sometimes in the essential elements in the group, 
I take that hat off and I've had a few little little moments come up. Uh, but generally on the whole, I'm very aware of the position that I hold within this community. And it should be the same for you too. And it requires constantly picking oneself up. It requires having a hat that you put on. That was part of the reason why I used to wear aprons when I worked with the children. When I put that apron on, it was reminding myself all the time, all the time, being reminded, like holding myself to a standard. And I think children deserve that from us too. Because when we role model that, when we role model calmness, when we role model um, that we're a safe person, children intrinsically feel it. They know And when they know that they are welcome and that their whole being is welcome here, doesn't matter how they show up, that they're going to be loved nonetheless. It means that they can show up at their worst. It means they can then show up at their best too. So that impacts their learning. Strong relationships contribute to enhanced learning. That's scientifically proven. So it all comes back to being reflective and sometimes it's exhausting. Sometimes knowing better and doing better and learning more and opening ourselves up to different ways of of being and different perspectives and things like that can be exhausting because it means you're accountable that's a good thing though because when you lose that accountability and you don't care anymore that's when you need to look at leaving that's when you're not providing the very best that you can for the children that you work with and let me tell you Those children deserve the best of you. So does your family. And if you don't have that balance in your work life, can you feel the energy right now? Ooh, getting to some truth bombs here, friends. When you don't have that balance right, it's because you're not being accountable somewhere. And that's hard work. It is really hard work to do it and sometimes you've got to give yourself some some leeway you've got to cut yourself some slack but you can't cut it too much it's this beautiful balance this beautiful dance and if this is where it comes to setting boundaries for yourself if you're not managing your family because your business is overwhelming what's not working what do you need to shift in there so that you can find that balance what do you need to cut away for maybe just for a little while till you can get balance elsewhere And then you can pick up those things again if you feel called to. Like this is the work. So if this interests you, I I go further and further into this in the essential elements because this is just one part of it. This is one part of a whole business practice that is very much like personal work too, personal development work. It's just one facet of what I talk about in the essential elements. So if you really like enjoyed this, I do go, I have a whole module developed, devoted, sorry, to deeply connected relationships. And it's, it, it does go really deep and it gives you practical strategies and skills and ideas and tasks that you can put in place to implement this within your business. So I've just touched on it for 43 minutes here. We go further into it in the essential uh, elements and we do launch doors open on the 30th of October. So if you want to go further into it, learn more about it, be able to go back and listen again and again and again and touch on this again and again for the 
rest of the course lifetime, then you have that ability um, in when you join the essential elements. So doors open on the 30th of October. Uh, we'll be having three nights of classes or, or lessons. No, they're the wrong words. It's a three night workshop coming up. As usual, if you've been in my world for a little while now, you've probably done a few of these courses with me. So there is another one, Intentionality and Play in FDC. Uh, we'll be running on the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday night. Uh, so that will be the 31st of October uh, will be the first night. 31st of October, 1st of November, 2nd of November, and then doors close on the 3rd of November. So if you want to jump on and get on the wait list, wait list doors will open 48 hours before normal doors open. And anyone that purchases in that time are going to get some really great bonuses that are coming. But you've got to get on that wait list to get those special, special, special bonuses. So friends, I hope that's given you a lot to think about and consider and uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I love hearing feedback on, on these podcasts so please feel free to leave a review or comment on the thread uh, when I post this uh, podcast. But uh, until then, my friends, I love journeying with you. I love sharing ideas and thoughts with you. And I look forward to doing it again on Friday for the Big Heart to Heart and next week's podcast as well. So wherever you find yourself in this beautiful, incredible world, I hope that you are well. And I hope you know that you are loved and welcome within my community anytime you want. Until then, big love. Bye. Hi friends, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well. We love feedback, so if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love.